0: There's a difference between being a Christian, being saved and being a disciple, which is a listener, a learner. Learning means growth. We're so focused on our salvation that we're not learners. We don't become disciples. We follow Jesus where we feel like it and where we, we don't feel too challenged.
1: You are listening to the Christian Music Archive Podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and Hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. I've had a pretty interesting week at work this week. Actually, it's been the culmination of a couple of months of adjustments and transitions that I really haven't looked forward to. Some of these changes are the result of my attitude. Some were the result of a changing industry. But suffice it to say, I spent a lot of time complaining and arguing with God about why I had to be treated so poorly. I won't go into all the details at this time, but I will say this. As I yelled at God, and yes, I had a few choice words pointed directly at Him, God just listened patiently. And eventually, He helped soften my heart regarding the demotion I received. In fact, and it still feels a little bit funny to say this, I'm actually excited about my new responsibilities. Oh, I still have a lot to learn, and I still need God's help with my attitude towards a co-worker, but I can look back and see how God made that change in me through this week. The reason I'm sharing this with you today is that my guest has a ton of incredible stories about intentionally following Jesus despite the flack he received. You may recognize the name Glenn Kaiser as the driving force behind the Resurrection Band. Glenn talks about what it means to be all-in following God into some pretty undesirable situations, and how God has been faithful through each step. This conversation comes at a really great time for me, and I hope you're going to enjoy this too. My goal for the Christian Music Archive has always been to document the men and women responsible for the musical soundtrack of our faith. The Christian music industry is notorious for focusing on the latest and hottest trend and neglecting the great music of our past, so I decided to do something about it. And I created this website and this podcast to help remember what God has done musically in our history. But I also want to make sure that this endeavor is making a difference for eternity, that people's lives are changed because of the work I'm doing. Whether through opportunities to support the humanitarian work of Mercy, Inc., or a chance for people to be encouraged in their faith, I want the work of the Christian Music Archive to make a difference. Do you feel the same way? Do you appreciate these conversations with musicians? If so, I'm looking for 25 like-minded people who would be willing to sponsor this project at $10 per month. Would you partner with me in celebrating what God has done in our musical past? It sure would mean a lot to me if you would head over to patreon.com slash ccmexchange and become a supporter today. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Thanks for your support, and thanks for your encouragement. One of the things that stood out to me when I first discovered Glenn Kaiser was that he really put his money where his mouth is. The Resurrection Band not only sang about real-life struggles like poverty, divorce, and racism, but they lived their lives by putting their thoughts into action. Glenn and his wife Wendy started Jesus People USA in Chicago, as a way to take God's love to the streets in a real and practical way. And something about that really rang true with me. Plus, Rez really rocked turning Christian music on its ear, starting in the early 70s. Today I'm chatting with Glenn Kaiser, and we're going to learn just a little bit more about living a life that matches what you say you believe. So, welcome
0: to the podcast, Glenn. Much, much, much appreciated, Dave. Let's rock.
1: Yeah, let's do. You have been making music uh, for a long, long time. Um, yeah. I have albums from you back from the early 80s. Uh, you may have been doing music before that that I w- I'm not aware of. What uh, What was the start of kind of your music genesis? What, what made you decide to rock and roll?
0: Well, I'll try to condense this. Um, <laughs> my brother and sister had the early uh, 45 RPM oh yeah record player with its own little speaker a dinky little plug-in job mm-hmm. and uh they played Elvis and you know whatever the hits were of the day uh, I was the youngest of three kids okay by the time I hit 13 uh, my parents had divorced family had blown up I found myself singing partly because I was afraid of the dark and I'd often come mm. home at night to a little a, ho- a house on a hill outside of Fox Lake, Wisconsin. And, uh, I was afraid of the dark and the last streetlight ended, uh, about, Oh, half a block from our house. Okay. And I knew my brother and sister would be out with their friends. My mom was in Milwaukee. Uh, she'd only come home every so often on the weekends. And my dad was working somewhere else and he would come home. So essentially I, you know, I came home by myself. And as I came up that that uh hillside uh little two-lane road come west of fox lake there was the house the last house that I passed before the the, the last street light uh, uh before, just before we moved in it had vacated because an old woman who'd lived there had hung herself Oof. so I'm afraid of the dark at that point and I know I'm coming <laughs> home to a dark house and there's nobody there and I just, I was just spooked, you know, so yeah. I started singing. I would just sing. Uh-huh. And the words would rhyme. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, It just, I was trying to find some sense of comfort and sure. have the courage to get, and I'd walk up, open the door, pop on the light, reach around and pop mm-hmm. on the light, and sit down and turn on the little black and white TV. We had a pot-bellied stove, put wood or sometimes coal. We didn't usually have the money. And, and I would be looking out the window with one eye, you know, and and waiting for my brother or sister to come home and then i could lay down and go to sleep in my bedroom so it was just it was a sense of comfort
1: Mm, yeah
0: by the time my parents divorced i ended up with my mom in milwaukee got involved in bands uh started teaching myself guitar and picked up a few pointers little two string chords first song i wrote was don't lie to me uh 13 years old wow And playing in soul, an R&B band that got deeper into blues as we went. Yeah. And then for about three and a half years, I didn't listen to white music at all because I didn't, I was not convinced by what I was hearing from the singers Mm. that they were singing from their heart.
1: Wow. As a teenager, you recognized
0: that. Well, it just so happened a black radio station kicked up in town and it was powerful and it was amazing. And when a dude sang, my baby left me, you could hear the sweat dripping on his wingtips. And <laughs> it, it, ah! it was just gut from the gut heart. Yeah, yeah. And there was an understanding of lament, which is, you know, a third of the scriptures right. in the book of Psalms are laments. It's yeah. the biggest category of texts of, of Bible lyrics, actually. So that was the hymnal of Israel. So, I mean, to me, the, the issue of music was I am sure a personal therapy but it was also I had the ability to sing my mom I didn't know this till years later had one singing contest in Milwaukee uh, as an 18 year old girl okay I mean city citywide yeah uh, smoked like a chimney uh three packs a day and that was the end of that um my dad actually played uh soprano sax way back in <laughs> Back in the day, Ed McMur- uh, Fred McMurray, oh, yeah. my three sons, yeah, sure. they played together in high school in a dance band. No kidding, no kidding. But I never heard him make any music. He got his nose broken in a in a pro- <laughs> the pro wrestling of the day, <laughs> uh, and could never blow sax again. Oh no. So I had this musical DNA yeah. in me that I didn't know about yeah. until years later.
1: So you were singing to kind of you know soothe the soul, so to speak, and you found this music that that was was meaningful in the black music of the day. Where did you decide to pick up guitar? I mean, you said you taught yourself. Did, was it just something you saw and you thought, "Oh, that's cool. I got to do
0: that"? Or yeah, I mean, like a lot of people my age saw saw the Beatles on it, the Ed Sullivan Show. Sure, bugged my mother. I, you know, I mean, I'd been singing off and on, but just myself, just and of course was a serious music fan yeah and then the radio was glued to my ear you know <laughs> really uh, had it on all night long under the under my pillow yeah um, so you know uh, yeah at some point my brother came home from the army um this is pre-vietnam okay and he brought back a little beat-up k acoustic it was a junker mm-hmm. it really was and he didn't do anything with it and essentially just gave it to me so that's where I started to Mickey Mouse around with like two string chords, yeah, just two strings at a time, you yeah. know. Figuring out where where the basic scale was and went on from there. So, yes, yeah, so I was, you know, about twelve and like I say, thirteen in that first band and um, writing the first song that I wrote then.
1: Because guitar has been kind of your big deal. I mean, you're even now, and uh, you make your own cigar boxes, guitars. Yeah, well, that now that that's a throwback. Because those are only one or two strings, sometimes, right?
0: Yeah, they yeah. are. They're they're one stringers are usually referred to as diddly bows, which okay. is where Bo Diddley took his right. stage name. Yeah, um, just inverted it. Diddly bow, diddling around, with, and somebody figured out in in Africa and maybe maybe elsewhere in the Middle East or elsewhere that a bow, like a hunting bow or mm. you know, an archery mm-hmm. uh, with a string if you plucked it it puts off a tone a sound a pitch
1: uh, yeah and
0: if you put it up against your the side of your cheek okay uh that's actually some Native American tribes in the U.S. and First Nations in Canada actually did that you can actually find a in you on YouTube you can find a Buffy St Marie way back when with Pete Seeger on what was then NET now it's PBS television okay, okay. Pete had a a show called Rainbow Quest and uh, Buffy St. Marie is a uh, is a First Nations incredibly gifted woman who showed them what is called the Mouth Bowl.
1: So So your head becomes the resonance. Yeah,
0: it resonates. Yeah. And you open your mouth and you bow, bow it out. It's a little bit like a what's called sometimes called a juice. harp. Yeah, it's just a a little bit larger version. Okay. Well, in the American South, Slaves obviously didn't bring anything with them from Africa, right. and many of them didn't survive the trip. But many who did remembered how they would make the most primitive kind of a stringed instrument. There are a lot of names for it all over the African continent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Ngoni is one, okay. uh, Exalam is another. And there's just a lot of different, and there are one, two, three, sometimes four, or five strings or more. But the, the punchline is, is I got into building cigar box guitars because I knew about all that uh, way before I became a Christian. Right. And at one point, I decided I have to challenge myself because mm-hmm. I've been playing finger style and with a pick and slide and different tunings, you know, and all the rest of that for years. And I need to go deeper so I need to lose some of these strings so even now I have two four stringers but I still feel like I'm almost cheating with a four stringer (laughs) it's pretty common for cigar boss uh, guitar builders and players and there's a lot of them all over the world it's grown and grown in the last 10 years or more use three strings okay some use two because you then have that how I learned to play guitar two Mm -hmm. strings at a time get some harmony going Uh, yeah and when you get down to one it's got to be in the heart and the soul
1: yeah
0: you have to figure out rhythm phrasing you don't have a pile of other strings it's a little bit like a guitarist not using a stomp box any oh. effects pedals mm-hmm. of any sort yeah you plug in you got volume tone you the little older amps that's all you had was right. volume and one or two tone controls there was no overdrive distortion gain none of that yeah now when you play it better come from here, yep. from the heart. You have to be thinking in terms of melody and rhythm. If you're writing or arranging, you, there's you don't have all the nets. You're up mm. on that high wire, yeah, and ain't, ain't no net <laughs> now. You better bring it. See, yeah. so to me, I did it to challenge myself to go into deeper and deeper blues as a player, and sh- and I, I was really actually pretty amazed. What I write on one, two, three string found object Cigar box guitars mm-hmm. that I make or people have made and given me, I don't write or think or play as I normally would with a six string guitar of any sort, Interesting. acoustic, yeah. electric or whatever. It just took me to a different place, yeah. which is for me and I think a lot of musicians and guitar players important. How do you grow?
1: Yeah. How do you
0: go deeper? Right. And I'm almost trying to get deeper with the issue of musical and spiritual integrity, which means you got to step out of the comfort zone. Well, and I was just going to talk
1: about that. So here we have somebody, our listeners will recognize, very passionate about guitar. I mean, so much so that he became, I mean, he rock band, res band, does blues stuff, and devolved, if you will, to a single string so that you could learn how to do it better. So a passion of yours, but this mirrors what I've seen of you as a believer as well. So somebody who came to Christ, came to learn that there was something more and you dove deep and then you started working even bigger on how do I dive deeper and make my relationship with Jesus some more. And you've you've got a huge story there and I would love to, if we could, go back to the time when you said, okay, I need Jesus in my life, because that really put that with the music, started you down a huge path that ended up in a lot of different really cool things.
0: Well, as you might if you, as you might already know, and people that know much about me know, when I first read Let Your Moderation Be Known to All Men, I had to laugh, because what's moderation? <laughs> I mean, one, that's that's true about a lot of Americans, period, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it's certainly true of me, and so the issue was, how do I go deeper? I learned. Well, first of all, I went through three horrible, horrible trips. I'd been an addict, and I did everything but but heroin, and, and I was real close to that uh, when I came to the Lord. I, I did I did drugs every way you could do them, mm-hmm. every time I could do anything. It's same with same with booze, with alcohol. So I was an addict, right? And I was a sexual addict. I didn't remember. I didn't do anything halfway. It was like, if I like this, I'm going for it. Yeah. Well, I had to do exactly the same with Jesus. It couldn't be pray the prayer. Jesus come into my life, and uh, I'm going to continue to build and maintain my own kingdom.
2: Mm, Uh, No, there's two different
0: kingdoms here, and yours is a yours mine, Glenn's is a joke. Let it go. It's got to (laughs) go. Yeah. So yeah, I've bumped into this group of Jesus freaks.
1: And what, what what time is this? in your your how old are you at this time?
0: Uh, I was—I turned two weeks before my 18th birthday. Okay. Uh, I asked the Lord into my life. Okay. That was January the third, seventy-one. By September 18th, I would moved into the Jesus People in Milwaukee, which was the foundation of Jesus People USA, where I where I serve and right. have served ever since. So right. it's been 50 years. I there was there was no show up for an hour a week. Look, I was going to a Catholic mass six nights a week because two of the three priests. And a stack of, of these incredible nuns were so kind and gracious, loved Jesus mm. and expressed love and grace to this long haired hippie barefoot, <laughs> jean wearing Yahoo. All yeah. was clean, not a dirty hippie, yeah. all was clean. And a midweek Baptist Bible study. And uh on Sunday night there was this little independent Pentecostal church not too far away. You were all in. I did Jesus like I had done dope sex and music. Yeah. It had to be that way. So really what we're talking about, Dave, is early on, I understood. I didn't always want to surrender, and I didn't always submit to the Lord or what the scriptures say. I got to a point very early where I understood there's a difference between being a Christian, being saved, and being a disciple, which is a listener, a learner. Mm. Learning means growth. Okay. It means going forward. He didn't say pray a prayer. Keith Green, by the way, he often talked about the difference between what we say we believe and what we actually do,
1: Yeah,
0: walking it out. And he quoted Matthew 25 many times from a stage, which I quote constantly. I mean, it's been in my heart forever. I mean, it's love is something that's lived out. Look at Jesus on the cross and the suffering that's involved, right? Yeah. Which is why I think a lot of people, hey, I want pie in the sky when I die, but don't <laughs> bother me in the day-to-day. Yeah you know I love God I love some of my neighbors I want to dropkick and maybe shoot the rest (laughs) right you know yeah and in other words instead of this we're so focused on our salvation that we're not learners we don't become disciples we follow Jesus where we feel like it and where we we don't feel too challenged for me to make that leap to discipleship it took nine months it, it, I mean, it's, it's taken my whole life. It's, I'm, I'm I haven't graduated yet. You know? <laughs> right, right. Well,
1: I think you mentioned Keith Greed and he, he had the song, I make my life a prayer to you. And you were Absolutely. talking about prayer before. And, and that's the part that I think we miss is like you were saying, uh, we talk about, uh, what is there? There's, 10,080 minutes in a in a month. I think Tim Timmons uses this. There's ten thousand eighty minutes in a week, and eighty minutes we spend in church. What do we do with that other ten thousand minutes? What are we doing mm. with making our life the living embodiment of serving and learning and growing with Christ? And and that's what you are talking about here.
0: I mean, there's such a different. A disciple is a listener. That's the Greek word means to, to be a listener, a learner. it's a commitment that's I mean it's the look look I often say it I've said it from stages with resband for years you know Wendy and I now this Lord willing we're both around we're on the planet anyway we'll be around no matter what (laughs) but next year in June would be our 50th anniversary okay very cool well how about if we went forward we did Mm -hmm. and we you know the the preacher officiated the the service and we were married and we both have a ring all that's true the ink is dry at the courthouse we're you know we're there right so what if we walked out after the reception waved and got in separate cars and never saw each other again (laughs) right would we be before God and and people married yeah we Mm -hmm. would officially that we're married yeah on every level you can think of except you call that a marriage? The relationship's not there. Yeah. Oh, uh, and a lot of people have done that with Jesus. They they want forgiveness, mercy, salvation, eternal life, but they don't want God to mess up their plans, or in some way to cause them to change. And that that somebody once said the problem of a living sacrifice. Apostle Paul talks about. Yeah. Is, want to crawl off the altar you know <laughs> and <laughs> yeah you know thank yeah. you can i can i be done now
1: right right and it's a never-ending journey
0: from glory to glory yeah change change what is it all change is perceived as loss yeah. is the old axiom you know yeah well it is yeah. lose yourself lose your life for his sake and you'll find it try to hang on to your life you're gonna lose it Bubba. yeah all that you think you have uh-uh well it, it, and it's meaningless
1: yes well, I interrupted you when you were saying you were almost 18 and you met these Jesus freaks. Yeah. And talk about that transition and that, oh, this is something that I want.
0: Well, I saw, first of all, they read me like the paper. They they knew exactly, where because most of them had come from the same stuff, right? Okay. And in prayer every day, studying scriptures every day, solid Bible classes, And this group of Jesus people up in Milwaukee, that year changed my life. And part of it was they opened up. We had Lutherans, Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, you know, born-again, spirit-filled Catholics, Lutherans, good on the long, I mean, everybody coming in. Uh, Our missionary teacher had just come back from the Philippines after, I know, over a decade. And the only reason he came back home to the States was his wife had a, uh some physical issues diseases mm. and it was just the wrong climate for her to be in
2: yeah
0: he was our missions teacher uh our Romans teacher basic doctrines uh incredible one of the few true intellectuals I've, I've I that I think I've ever really gotten to know uh, happened to be a black Baptist uh, I think missionary Baptist uh maybe AME uh preacher named Julius Malone I mean, my wife and I are still quoting stuff from that Romans class. Mm. He was so deep, so off the charts, and so genuine. Person after person from various places outside of our own church. And they wouldn't all agree with each other on everything. Sure. We had them come in weekly to teach. It wasn't just insular, you know, young Christians leading young Christians, mm-hmm. which was part of the problem of a lot of the Jesus movement. And so, but there was this... a a right ecumenism, a right respect of... I love it when in Revelation, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yeah. Churches. Yes, plural. plural. F F on the end. Not church, churches.
1: Yeah.
0: And did I ever expect we were all going to agree on everything? No. No. But there was this sense of of openness and studying the Word of God and we eat the meat, we spit out the bones. Some things are never going to be resolved. You know, there's a powerful quote, but in all things charity, in all things love, we're not going to agree with each other and everything. Never would, never have in the history of the capital C church, right? Yeah. But because we're not perfect. We don't know like God knows.
1: Well, I mean, even Adam and Eve didn't agree, you know, that's the beginning. So it's
0: been a lifelong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But the thing about that group of Jesus people was that give and take and flex and flow with churches that i'm often if sometimes the leaders and other times people in the congregation looked at as sideways how mm. can you have that kind of hair play that kind of music right wear those kind of clothes not immoral or immodest but hippie clothes i mean what we, 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 that's what we that's what i still am right? yeah so yeah. the idea the idea of confusing culture with christ
1: mm, yes yes
0: that's gone on from adam and eve till today and yeah it all over the world so recognizing I mean it's like God creates the rainbow what's his favorite color (laughs) right. you know so we're going to start the the church of blue or red or whatever I mean it so much of its preference of style and not commitment to the core teachings of Jesus Christ those are the ones we throw in the in the rearview mirror often if we're not careful so I saw in the Jesus people a genuineness and honesty a willingness to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed. Small groups sharing the good news verbally in the street, working with other churches, trying not to just quick through this snap, harsh, critical judgment of people that we didn't agree with. Mm. Or, you know, we don't like the way they look. Uh, we don't favor their style of music. So they must be jerks. You know, they must, they're worthless. They're at least immature. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not even Christians, which is, of course, what people said about Res Band early on, because we were one of the earlier rock bands. That play, I think we played honest-to-God rock. I don't think we were pretending. What you're saying right now,
1: you're talking about the 70s, but you could be talking about 2021. I mean, it's the same issues that we're dealing with right now, exactly.
0: Un- unfortunately,
1: you're right. And so, one of the things that you talked about is the deep importance of discipleship. You are getting trained and digging deep into what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, and you're getting all kinds of different opinions and ideas and stuff in, but it's all ultimately pointing to Jesus, not pointing to who's at the platform, not pointing to who's in what building. That's the part that I think we miss today as the lowercase c Christians, we have forgotten about the discipleship part of how do we make what was the scripture? Go into the world and make disciples.
0: Disciples, Not, teaching them to obey. Yes. Well, there's a there's a fun term, right? Yeah. Everything I have, Jesus has yeah. commanded you. Yes. Yes. And how do you know that unless you study? Right. Does that sound like a that sound like an option? Does that <laughs> sound like optional? <laughs>
1: yeah, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. So you, you got involved with Jesus People uh, in Milwaukee. Right. And you guys, you and Wendy started mu- doing music out of, Japu- as I keep wanting to say Japuza, but it was Jesus People Milwaukee. And and you formed this, this little band writing music that was not the same as other Christian music. Because... Now, Dave, why do you say that? Well, it's on two things. There's two <laughs> things that I think. One is the style. So back then... Yeah. The rock and roll that you were playing was, you know, oh, this is, what is this? But you were talking issues and more than just platitudes.
0: Let, let me put it to you this way. You hear a lot of John three sixteen, mm-hmm. but you hear, I think, a lot of 17, which a lot of Christians these days have thrown. I mean, I don't even know what, what that verse says. And then, of course, Book of James stuff. You know, look, the chair. A song i wrote about specifically a guy who came up in a wheelchair i couldn't see him because he was down low right and a bunch of other people came up in front to the stage after the concert it was in sacramento california and um after about 45 minutes of chatting and praying with people and you know autographs, with the res band resurrection band we would you know kind of often go off into the seats but they had no seats in this mm-hmm. place it yeah. was sitting and standing So we just, those venues, we'd be on the stage, spread out a few feet apart. People would come up, we would talk, pray, whatever, for 45 minutes, an hour, night after night. Well, this brother had waited for 45 minutes or more. It was getting late. I didn't see him. So I I would have had them, I would have parted the Red Sea and had him come up. And, (laughs) you know, and I, that song, The Chair, is from the perspective of somebody who people don't like are a little afraid of. They're almost superstitious. Look, I believe in divine healing, but I also think people have been knuckleheads when they've run up to people like him and prayed over him to get, okay, get out of the wheelchair, you're healed, you yeah. know. The lack of wisdom, the lack of balance, the lack of sense, so really the lack of love and, and wisdom, which happens as you learn as a disciple over time. <laughs> Unless you go, ah, I'm saved, my name's in the lens Book of Life, I'm done. So that's another example of what I'm talking about. So that song, The Chair, when have you heard, I mean, I don't think I'm so such a much, and I don't think Res Band was the greatest band on the planet. Not then, not now, I don't think that. But how many times have you heard anybody, but much less a flame and rock band, play a song about the disabled, or GKB, the, the three-piece, mm-hmm. uh, the Glenn Kaiser band uh a carolina moon about a widow who's lost her husband and is just distraught yeah and because when he died mostly her pretty much her life is, was over even though she's walking around and how about apartheid uh right. afrikaans or Zulu afrikaans about racism to the to the nth degree in south africa before mandela i mean to me it's just those were issues that i thought why isn't somebody writing lyrics that deal with this stuff and rock music. If you want to get in your face Mm -hmm. and make strong statements, that is a stylistic venue that just often works. So that's what, you know, I'll give you a little bit of background of why I, I wrote and why Rez did the lyrics that we wrote.
1: Well, you know, it's been interesting to me to watch. I was a concert promoter for a number of years and have watched artists and stuff come and go. And, and the altar call in most concerts has disappeared. Unless, sure. unless you yeah. go to, unless you go to a rock show yeah and the rock show yeah. they're still saying hey we need to be talking about Jesus and how you need to have Jesus in your life uh yeah. and there is there is definitely something about rock music that hits people in a way that we're not trying to mainstream it you know and and right now if you're a Christian rock band you're doing it because you're called to do it not because there's
0: money in it <laughs> well I sure hope so uh because there, there, trust me there was hardly any money in it in the first place but right. But yeah, what's the motivation? Yeah, uh, I spoke on the phone yesterday uh, for a few minutes with John Fisher, who's a, oh, sure. an amazing brother and a, someone I've respected forever. Yeah, I mentioned it to him again. I said, John, you wrote in CCM Magazine a column years ago. And I continue to, I quote John all the time on this. He talked about the Christian music scene and he said in, that, in an article, I about fell off my chair. He said, we used to make history now we're making a living wow and I'm sorry but if I mean obviously you're worse than an infidel if you don't provide for your family right so you know you're married you got a husband a wife maybe you got kids uh so on I get it you have to yeah. render to Caesar you have to pay bills you have to put gas in the car etc cetera, etc cetera. a workman's worthy of his hire look mm-hmm. I can quote scripture all day long on this issue but at the end of the day what is Glenn Kaiser's personal motive what is anybody's motive? Yeah. I'm not judge of all the earth. That's God's work. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. I don't think I always get it. but And certainly, I'm not a mind reader. Even words of wisdom and knowledge, nobody gets it right all the time. Nobody. So I look at that and I think to myself, what are we doing? Are we simply going to the lowest common denominator to make a buck? Or are we going to the lowest common denominator, even in the Christian rock scene, because we're playing to the stands mm-hmm. there's a select group of people that if we say these things in the lyric and we bring it to them musically in this style in this fashion whether recording or live you know yeah. hey there it may be a 30 or 40 person crowd but they're gonna love me they're gonna love us mm-hmm. this is wabba dabba you know I, my, my 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 ship came in <laughs> and i'm like dude you're a big fish in a very little pond. You should come with me into Cook County Jail or, or the prisons in Illinois or Ohio or Alaska or, for that matter, Finland and Norway and other places I've been
2: mm-hmm.
0: and deal with the reality of what's going on in the world, people getting locked up that shouldn't have been locked up, uh, people that got locked up because they're mentally ill, essentially, yeah. and, and maybe they committed a crime, people that are locked up with... To win the argument and win the case, DNA wasn't allowed, and them with the most money didn't get prosecuted. And so now you're wondering about Micah 6, eight. love justice, yeah. love, do justice, do justly, love mercy, yeah. and walk humbly with your God. Remember that the Old Testament prophets, what, Israel was about 80% of the Old Testament in exile.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Could, could the one who exiled them love them any more than mm-hmm. any of us? yeah we are as Christians often deficit in compassion and mercy toward others Definitely. so that's that, that's become leftist that's you know that's an old well I am an old hippie I'm that's who I am <laughs> uh but I look at what Jesus said and what Jesus did
2: mm-hmm.
0: what does it mean to love my enemies it means Ain crosses and often rejection by Christians, even in the churches. Some of the some of the people that we admired most. I told Wendy on a hillside once, "Look," uh, and this was before I knew she was going to be part of the band. Okay. I said, "Look, if the Lord's in this 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 thing that I'm hearing from Him and talking with the elders and praying about, we're going to be preached against by name mm-hmm. by people that we've loved and respected, leaders in the Christian church." And i just want you to know this because if you marry me and i'm not just some young knucklehead thinking i heard a word from god if this is really the lord i I kept thinking mary you know uh, not that i'm jesus but when mary you know a a sword's going to pierce your heart also yeah if you marry me you're gonna you're gonna go through some pain well little did i know at that point she was going to be part of the band and so of course you know people judged us up and down because of the way we sounded the way we looked and by the way, for a lot of people, Dave, it didn't matter whether we had an altar call, prayed a prayer with anybody, said much of anything. This was about culture. Yeah. And in their minds, that was the issue. Uh, they would say scripture. Really, did they quote scripture that had anything to do with what the Bible says about music? I talked with Dallas Holm and a number of others.
1: They didn't look like you guys. They looked more mainstream, but yeah. they were booed off the stage. They were refused to let them perform because they had electricity in their guitar. So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, the prince of the power of the air, right? Yeah. (laughs) What planet is this, you know? Well, that brings me to the question. So you guys chose to move eventually to Chicago and start your own Jesus People community. And for people who don't understand what Jesus People is, it's really a community that lives together, worships together, works together, does ministry together for the purpose of being the hands and feet of Jesus to people that aren't accepted into traditional brick-and-mortar churches kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, well, let's put it to you this way. It's a calling. I've never preached community. You, I never said accept uh, our version or any, any mm-hmm. version of uh, community into your heart, into your <laughs> life, and you'll be saved. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, my wife years ago coined a phrase, uh, many are called, but few can stand it uh yeah you know yeah all you got to do is imagine everybody in your church or let's say 80 85 90 90 of people in your local church if you all moved into the same 10 10 or 12 story a huge uh had been a hotel for years
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you started cooking together you're going to agree on the food right on the seasoning right uh, who's going to clean up who's yeah. doing the dishes <laughs> so the truth is it's a calling it's not a calling for everyone. It's unique. I'll tell you what else is unique. Uh, I'll just rattle off three things. We have a seniors program. We're talking 90 to 100 low-income senior citizens on the top three floors of the building. Mm. We have close to 200 uh, people living together in the community that follow Jesus. Now we allow and we've always allowed people to actually move in and be members of the community who are not following Jesus. So we're talking about an openness now you it's like when I go to Sturgis or Daytona, when I'm doing, or I'm in the prisons or jail. Dude, you better throw down. Because if you're just pl- pretending, they'll read you, they'll read you in a second. And and at the end of the day, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, G.K. Chesterton, hilarious, love your neighbor, and he also commanded us to love our enemies. <laughs> Chesterton said he probably said that because our neighbor is our enemy that we're supposed mm, to be loving yeah. you know they could be the, they're probably the same person yeah can you imagine moving in together and agreeing on who gets to use the car or the van yeah yeah you know it's 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 a small town in the middle of a huge urban tough city look second point we have one of the largest shelters for homeless people in the, in the city the punchline there is, is that the city works with us because they hit the wall a long time ago. I mean, years ago, they started sending people to us because the Salvation Army was full. Pacific Garden Mission was full. They, you know, there are homeless people everywhere, yeah. poor people. And by the way, 30, about 30% on any night are veterans. hmm so the church talks about care and love and all the rest okay fine so what are you going to do about it yes and so that's a main ministry the third thing i want to say is this doesn't happen every day but we do have as in most urban areas and by the way most rural areas that i spend a fair bit of time in and have for years all over and where i was raised a lot of drugs a lot of gun running a lot of craziness and how do people make a buck yeah and and, uh, usually they come out of poverty They're often minority people, uh, but often poor whites. I mean, I I see, you know, heroin off the charts among predominantly white rural areas. I talked to a a conservation officer um, down in in Illinois, central Illinois, in a rural area uh, two days ago. And he said the main thing now is heroin. There aren't any black folks or hardly any Hispanic folks in that area of Illinois. What are we talking about? So here, a couple of young kids on one or younger on one side of the street, a couple on the other, rival gangs, pop, 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 nine millimeters. And uh, all four of them got shot. One of our guys uh, ran out the door, uh, heard it, ended up having to stop the bleeding until the EMT people came for one of these guys. And so being a witness, praying, living where we live, Yeah. Dealing with what we deal with in the every day puts us up against the wall and the idea of what do you mean faith? Mm. What do you mean loving your neighbor, yeah. loving your enemies, loving people who completely disagree with you, loving, uh, understanding how people ended up in poverty
2: yeah.
0: and what went on? And is there such a thing as rac- racism? Is there such a thing as injustice? So you'll hear stuff from me that you, you know, you're not going to hear this stuff from a lot of Christians because the truth is, it doesn't sell albums, right? And it doesn't sell worship albums. Well, and this is kind of, you know, I, you and I
1: briefly talked via email about the fact that I've, I've started this podcast because I want to talk about community because I feel like we've lost what community means, and and I don't think community necessarily means you have to be living in a ten story apartment complex together eating your meals together trying to decide what who's driving the car right but agreed the fact agreed. that you have people in your community that are going to run out and stick their thumb in a bleeding gunshot wound or they're going to go out and help somebody who is low income had, homeless that is the kind of stuff that being part of a community. As a lot of times I think we at church, we look at community as, oh, these are the church people that I work with and we worship together. And then you don't see each other for the rest of the week. How's that community? And how are we making a difference in the areas that we're put with by God that He puts us in places? I live in I live in Salem, Oregon. We have a huge homeless population right now and nobody knows what to do with it. What does it mean for those of us that are in our comfortable, you know, suit and tie on Sunday to minister to people who don't have a home for whatever reason, mental illness, loss of job, whatever.
0: How do we do that? Well, one thing, Dave, we talk about grace. We love to hear sermons on grace. I told you, I think off the air here, uh, grace is a massive word that, you know, obviously I heard about it, heard it taught, studied it. But, uh, Have been a massive recipient of grace Mm. myself. My goodness, every every breath I take, what is that? That's the grace of God, unmerited, unearned favor. But you got to earn my favor. You got to earn my grace. Now there's a dichotomy going on there. There's you know so okay, honor to whom honor is due. It also says honor all men. Yeah. What's what's that all about? I mean, the scriptures bring a balance and a clarity. And i i'll put it to you this way i think if there is a lean any kind of an accent in the very nature of god hmm. pay attention here comes the heresy <laughs> i don't think there's any he's perfect in all of his ways
1: exactly exactly he's
0: unchanging he doesn't have to change yep once we get saved a lot of us don't want to change either and if anything as we age we get more brittle instead of more soft in our heart toward people hmm. We're quicker to judge because we know. And Jim Palisari up in Milwaukee used to preach, "Hey, the room full of hippies." He go, "Yeah, you, you you know better." And when you know better, you just know better, right? <laughs> so the average follower of Jesus or professing Christian, anyway, <laughs> doesn't necessarily follow Jesus. You you end up in this in this place of I'm saved. Get off my lawn, you know. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, pull out yeah. the twelve gauge and uh, load that shell. And the problem is is instead of being compassionate and gracious our go-to is pull that baby out yeah. pop the safety off and start shooting because somebody's going to take my job gonna infect my kid gonna mess with my grandchildren you're upsetting the status quo yeah. i'm comfortable well of course you are you're you're white you're older you've you've been in control You've been the dominant culture, and you, by the way, you've been the dominant culture, not in the black church, not in the Mexican or Hispanic, uh, Latinx church, but in your world, which is really the larger world, you've had control for a long time. So everything becomes a threat, Mm. and instead of love my neighbor, yeah, fine, my neighbor thinks like I do, dresses like I do, votes like I do, Yep. oh, baby. Yeah, you got community, but you've chosen, you've chosen to to go so far with uh, get rid of the, the the sinner in your midst, which we do, by the way, at times, mm-hmm. and we should. Yeah. But but there's a point where you gotta go, wait a minute. Is there an accent in God's nature? And is it love and mercy? Or is it punishment?
2: Yeah.
0: Is your version of justice and by the way I believe hell is real oh definitely Jesus talked about well Jesus talked about things that my leftist friends don't want to talk about those are the things that I talk to them about (laughs) yeah my right my right my rightest you know old conservative buddies and there's a lot of those folks on both ends of my spectrum in my life because I love them both Mm -hmm. I, I I think Jesus loves them both but of course what how far are we willing to go to admit we are we are we are skipping the crosses, personal cross bearing. I don't like that kind of person. I don't trust them. And I'm looking for an opportunity to to quickly counterpunch or maybe get the first shot in. Mm. You know, and, and so wow. you end up with this this a twisted civil religion is which is not something that Jesus talked about. Uh, or, or or live by example. Love your neighbor, love your enemies. Uh, love one another, w- what you did, I don't know if you ever thought about Matthew 25, mm-hmm. food, water, clothing, housing, health care, mm-hmm. the sick,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the prisoner. Yeah. And by that, he separates the sheep from the goats. Whoa, dude, yeah. that's no game. Yeah. And we're talking about four things we can't live without. Mm-hmm. And the fifth, illness, if it hadn't already hit you, it will. Yeah. And you have no control over it. And then the prisoner. Now, I don't know that he threw those things out, you know, categorically in that order on purpose. I don't know that. But I do know this. The last person that anybody wants to know or hang with yeah. is the incarcerated person. And when they come out, they're the last person the local church wants to open their door to and embrace. Yeah on so many levels. So you end up with this really weird dichotomy where the local church supposedly reflects Jesus, and none of us does it perfectly. I don't. None of us does it righteous and all the time. Jesus people doesn't, never have. Go down the list. So you end up with this weird uh, sort of, a again, a dichotomy. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this, and this is great. This over here, whoa, mm. whoa, whoa. Yeah. whoa. And so this issue of ongoing repentance, which, in the Old Testament, you see God call Israel to, the chosen people were no less chosen. He he loved and yeah. still loves, still loves the Jewish people. Yes. Okay? And the problem is, is they constantly rebelled, disobeyed, <laughs> went their own way, treated people that weren't like them as garbage when he gave them specific commands about how to deal with the immigrant the sojourner so if some people are going to ah oh, this old leftist hippie kaiser oh there he goes well i'm going to tell you this what you need to spend is a heck of a lot more time in god's word
2: mm-hmm.
0: get your face out of the mirror and reach out there are people in podunk illinois ohio and everywhere else in this country and this world who want to see real christians yes who actually give a rip about them yeah. not simply about defending and protecting themselves and yeah. their own interests yeah and when we do that that's when this concept of community that you see in scripture it becomes more than words 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 words
1: every saturday we send out a prayer letter to folks that are praying for musicians and ministers that are that are making music and have made music How could we be praying specifically for you and the work that you're doing here in the weeks and the months ahead?
0: Well, I would say three things very quickly. For me, to hear the mind and heart of God and to be faithful to obey and love. Mm. Secondly, my son-in-law, Tim, our eldest daughter, Rebecca, they have four kids. Tim has brain cancer and he's been battling a brain tumor. So doing the radiation and chemo and all the rest of it. And thirdly, for Jesus people, for the community, that God would continue to lead and guide, particularly our, our, our younger leadership uh, and, and the whole of the community, that God would continue to guide us yeah. in all navigating all the changes of direction. There is so much need of a genuine reflection of Jesus yes. in the street, yes. uh, in the everyday for the common person, regardless of who they are, regardless of who they voted for or anything else. And so prayers for our leadership and our fellowship to To be faithful in those things.
1: What a rich, rich conversation. Thanks, Glenn, for sharing your time with us today. So let me ask you this. Are we living out what we say we believe? As a follower of Jesus, are we looking at every one of Jesus' teachings and putting them all into action? or am I, are we, cherry-picking the things that we like to do, that are easy to do, and that might not offend too many people? I'm afraid if I answer that question honestly, I have to say no. No, I'm not practicing all of the things God asks me to do. My work experience of this past month or so has really driven home the fact that I am not capable of living a Christ-like life on my own. In fact, I've messed things up pretty big this week. But in spite of that, God was there waiting for me to ask for His help and direction. And when I did give up, He not only helped me, but He also changed my attitude and has started to change my heart. I'm sure that if we all examined our lives, there would be situations where we did not practice the teachings of Jesus to love our enemies or even our neighbors well. Times when we took the easy way out. But here's the thing. God does not give up on us when we fail. I'm sure he probably shakes his head and says, come on, child, pick yourself up and let's try again. But this time, let me do this with you. I love the verses in Lamentations 3 that say, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. His mercies are new every single morning. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. My closing thoughts each week are intended as an encouragement to myself as much as a reminder to you. How can I walk in step with God after failing time after time? I have confidence because God is willing to start brand new every morning, offering his hand to me and saying, come on, child, let's do this together. This week, let's try to be a demonstration of loving our neighbor and yes, even our enemies. And let's love with God's help, not just love people for God. Maybe we could be intentional about how we share his love with strangers, the hungry, the sick, and the incarcerated. Let's look for ways to do that this week. Glenn and I had a lot more to talk about than would fit into this podcast episode. And if you'd like to hear the rest of our conversation around what living a life of Christ in our community looks like, head over to patreon.com slash ccmexchange. There you'll find more of this conversation, as well as aftercasts from other guests. So you can find all of those at patreon.com slash ccmexchange. Finally, I want to thank Glenn for permission to use his song, The Chair. That's from the Resurrection Band's 1981 album, Mommy Don't Love Daddy Anymore. You can find more of Glenn's music on his website, and I'll put the links to that in the show notes below. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website, christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.